Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo today. Oh, my goodness, do we have so, so much to talk about. You know, I often do a, a lot of prep for these shows, but I've had a, a brief hiatus from the podcast, and I have so much on my mind that I almost didn't write down as many notes as usual. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. We'll see where the podcast takes me. But quickly, apologies for the brief hiatus. Uh, I don't, you know, don't want to get too much into it. But basically, end of last week, it was in New York City for some work stuff with Blue Wire. Great time to meet all the folks at Blue Wire, some of which I'd been working with for two years and hadn't actually met in person. So was unable to get uh, the Steelers preview podcast we planned out to you guys. But Jordan and I had already given some of our thoughts on the game. So wasn't too worried about that. But then... Going to do my post-game podcast, I had two flights canceled out of New York on Sunday, uh, a, a flight uh, delayed many, many hours on Monday, ended up basically was supposed to get home Sunday morning uh, ahead of the Browns game, and I ended up not getting home until Monday night. Go to record the podcast yesterday, and as we all know, there was lots of Browns drama that I had then had to see play out. So here I am. It's Wednesday. It's been a whole week since I've recorded Browns fans and so, so much has happened. And I'm not going to go in chronological order. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't start with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. Quick recap. If you're a Browns fan living under a rock, Odell Beckham Sr. posted a, a clip or series of clips on Instagram showing that Baker Mayfield was not throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. when he was open. That led to a LeBron James tweet about free Odell and clearly some other indications that Odell Beckham Jr. wanted out of Cleveland. I think both some of the stuff that was public and if you talk to anybody with a connection behind the scenes, it had been made clear that Odell Beckham Jr. no longer wanted to be in Cleveland. The Browns did not trade him uh, ahead of the Tuesday deadline, and that was part of the reason I wanted to wait is they, you know, they didn't make any trades. This news came down so late, it basically made it impossible for them to do that. And so now the update today is that Odo Beckham Jr. was excused from practice. The reports are that Kevin Stefanski addressed the team and said Odell Beckham Jr. is essentially not on the team right now. We heard that Andrew Barry are working with Odell Beckham Jr.'s representatives to figure out next steps. That's basically the quick summary. Here are my thoughts. The first thing is this. I don't blame Odell Beckham Jr. for being frustrated. He's not entirely wrong about that. In fact, he's mostly right about that. I've come on the last several weeks, and it was the same in this last game with Baker Mayfield, and talked about how he is not seeing the field well, and he is not finding Odell Beckham Jr. when he is open. Odell Beckham Jr. is running tons of routes that are designed well, where he is open, and he is not getting the football. He's right. He is right about that. And, and, and I have sympathy for him being right, too, because, you know, a lot of this, I think, gets put on his shoulders, that he's not performing, that he's not living up to the hype, when I do think his play is better than the numbers suggest. I mean, he's only got a couple hundred yards receiving this year, and, and I know he's missed a, a few games, but 
really poor numbers for a guy, you know, of his caliber at no matter how, you know, how poorly you think of Odell. I think everybody can agree he's a top 30 receiver in the NFL. I'd still probably classify him as a top 20 receiver in the NFL based on what I've seen this year on tape. So he's right about the fact the chemistry has not been there. All that is true. But in many cases, in all of our lines of work, you can be right. You you can have a gripe, but you're not going to get what you want unless you handle it correctly. And I blame Odell Beckham Jr. for how this is being handled. I 100% blame him for how this is being ha- handled, and I do not have sympathy for him right now in terms of, of him getting what he wants. I don't. I just don't. He is basically, you know, putting 100% of the blame on, on somebody else, which I never care for, right? Like, yes, Baker has been a large part of the issues, but Odo Beckham Jr. has been hurt. That's hurt the chemistry for sure. You can't tell me that piece of it hasn't caused, a, you know, a, a lack of chemistry to be there on the field. He hasn't played in a lot of games. And when he has played, he's also letting Baker down sometimes. He's had some critical drops. He did not give full effort at, at times on, on Sunday. That's fair. Now, do I think, again, all of it is his fault? No, as I said, I think mostly he's right. But to always you know, go black and white, put it 100% on somebody, I'm never going to agree with that. And then the approach is just all wrong. I think sometimes when fans are away from the game and then frankly for me too just not being up close and personal with the team at this point anymore you do lose that human element that human touch and it's easy to forget these guys are human sometimes this is no different than you know uh, somebody in your workplace that people don't get along with that's immature Oda Beckham Jr. is immature he has been in the past he maybe always will be This is who he is. He has never had great self-awareness. He's never had great judgment off the field. And this has been a problem starting from his rookie year all the way on. In the grand scheme of things, Odo Beckham Jr. is not that old, so maybe he'll grow out of it one day. But guess what? He hasn't. He didn't in New York, and he hasn't in Cleveland. And... When, you know, somebody like that is immature, that wears on the people in the locker. It just does. When you have somebody that's constantly causing problems, it wears on you in the workplace. It always does. It's it's one of those, you, you roll your eyes. Even when they say what they say is right, you don't take them seriously. When they screw up, Nobody is there to say, ah, you'll, you'll get him next time. Ah, don't worry about it. I'll pick you up. Not happening. And I think that's the case with Odell Beckham Jr. right now. I think from everybody that I've tried to talk to in the last couple of days that might have a connection with the locker room, the reports are it's not good, guys. And I know that stinks to hear as Browns fans, but the reports are the locker room's not a great dynamic right now. You would think they've got a lot of veteran leaders on this team. You would think they've got a, a lot of quote-unquote locker room guys, but at least the relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. is not good. And honestly, 
mostly what it comes down to at this point is I feel bad for the guys in the locker room. I don't feel bad for Odell Beckham Jr. The way he's handled this is a joke. It's a joke. He could have made this demand weeks ago, and the Browns could have actually traded him. He could have, I don't know, actually said something to Baker Mayfield or Kevin Stefanski behind closed doors or Andrew Barry, for that matter. How many times have we found out that, that players have requested trades months after the fact? Even in the, in the moment, you know, they at least say it you know, to the actual team itself. This whole cryptic dad posting that, and, and, and let's be clear, the dad doesn't post that without uh, talking to OBJ or at least having so many conversations with him that, that he felt comfortable doing that without any repercussions from his son. So all of that to say is it's immature. Again, that's a, the word I keep coming back to, but it, not only is Odo Beckham Jr. acting immature, but the way he handled this situation is so immature and detrimental to him. This is not going to work out for him the way he thinks, at least not in the short term, because it makes no sense. I, he's got everybody in the locker room turned on him. He's got everybody, for, you know, media fans wise turned on him. So now what does he do? I mean, he's stuck. That's the thing. He's stuck now. And I don't know what he was thinking, but I can tell you this. It's just taking a step back as a fan of the team. Good and riddance to a guy like this. I don't want this guy in my locker room. I don't want to root for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. I don't. It's tiring to hear these things time after time. And it's tough when you know that guys don't like the guy. It makes it harder to root for him. It just does. And as a fan, good riddance, man. You know, this is, as I said, this is not going to, this is just not going to work out for him the way he thinks. Here's what's going to happen. Odo Beckham Jr. is going to sit out the rest of the season. I don't think the Browns, they, they can't trade him, first of all. The deadline passed right. It would have been cool if Odo Beckham Jr. made this decision two weeks ago and the Browns could have traded him, but nope, didn't do that. Did it right before the trade deadline. And they're not going to cut him. At least I don't think they're going to cut him because that it impacts their books. There's dead cap associated with cutting Odo Beckham Jr. this year that as soon as he makes it through the year, no longer an issue. So he is expensive. He is now a issue for this locker room. And I think, you know, frankly, I think the organization did the right thing by sending him away. Get that out of your locker room. If they have any hopes of being good this season, that guy cannot be in your locker room after this situation. Can't, can't do it. Absolutely cannot do it. So I thought on the whole, the organization handled it well today. I know there's a lot of uh, comparisons being made to, oh, this is just like the old Browns. I don't really think it is. Because this isn't coming from the organization. It's one player who's upset. And as I said, you can see some of the on-field reasons why he would be upset, but it's one player who's upset. And I thought the organization handled it well. I thought the, the Kevin Stefanski handled it well from a media perspective today. I thought Baker Mayfield, you know, really handled it well for, in his media availability today, too. They tried to put the fire out on, on this as much as they could. They have gotten him out of the locker room. They have said all the right things. They can't control Oda Beckham Jr. They can't control what his dad puts on Instagram. They can't control LeBron James tweeting about him. They can only control what they can control. And I thought the organization actually showed 
quite a bit of function, not dysfunction today in terms of how they handled it. But this is a bad situation. There, uh, there's no sugarcoating it. So I think, you know, uh, going forward, as I said, I, I would be surprised if they can integrate him back into this locker room. Maybe, you know, Jarvis Landry, who he obviously has a tight relationship with and, and some of the other veteran guys can make it work. I'd be surprised, but maybe they can. I Frankly, I think I'd rather him stay home at this point and move on because I think, you know, you get two weeks away from this, three weeks away from this. It'll die down at some point, I, I think, uh, at least so. That's what I would try to do. And then ultimately, I, I think, the, honestly, I think the impact on the Browns is minimal because what did we just talk about? He wasn't getting the ball anyway. He uh, wasn't making a huge impact anyway on this team. So what are we even talking about? I mean, he's a, a guy who has a couple hundred receiving yards. Now, does it lower the ceiling of this team? Sure, maybe a little bit. But we've been talking about for weeks how Odell Beckham Jr. isn't doing a ton on the field. So I don't think this really changes anything from that perspective. He's not the kind of guy in this offense that was going to produce at an insanely high level. He doesn't have the chemistry with Baker Mayfield. So, all right, moving on. You know, uh, the the Browns, I don't think, are going to sorely miss him from an on-field perspective, at least in terms of what they've gotten through the first half of the season. As I said, it, it, it lowers the team, the team ceiling a little bit for sure, but – they weren't getting a lot of production out of that wide receiver room anyway. So, Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And that really leads me to my other thoughts on the, the game last week in this team as a whole, because I, I didn't get to post game, you know, pod, as I mentioned at the top and look, Hey, you know, I, me as a, as a podcast guy in this business, I tell, you know, other podcasters I work with, you know, don't go and talk about a game that's three days old, but guess what? I'm going to go talk about a game that was three days old, even though it's not really relevant anymore because it is still relevant. The wide receiver room let the team down on Sunday. I think pretty plain and simple, right? Six drops, Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr., all those guys. Austin Hooper had a bad game. They let the team down on Sunday. But that's the obvious micro way to look at that game, is the offense would have scored more than 10 points if those guys produced a little bit more, and then maybe the Browns would have won that game. But I think the bigger thing that I took away is that we just need to readjust our expectations for this Browns team as a whole. I think starting with the wide receiver room, 
the Browns have committed more salary cap dollars to their wide receiver room than any team in the league. You heard that. You heard that correctly. More than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, more than the Dallas Cowboys, more than the Minnesota Vikings, all of them. The Browns have more cap tied up in the receivers than all of those teams. And yet, and yet, those guys are on pace for 600 yards. And Baker is part of that, but also part of that is these guys are just not playing at that high level. They're just not that good. And I talked about this when I with my podcast, uh, you know, with Bladen a few weeks ago. Is Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. are both really overpaid for how they have performed. Forget the off this field stuff with Odell Beckham Jr. for now. They are really overpaid for what they produce on the field right now. So I think both those guys are going to be off the team next year. I think the Browns are going to be looking for a receiver in the draft. I think they'll be looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz to step up. But all these guys who are fun and intriguing on the outskirts, like a Donovan Peoples-Jones, like Schwartz, that only works when you've got the top end talent already. It's like, oh my goodness, like look at these guys versus, you know, as a third and fourth option. But the number one and two options aren't doing that much. So all of a sudden, it's not, they're not fun toys anymore. They're, they're people that you need to produce. And that's a different situation for them to be put in. So I think in general, we, we talked about how there weren't a lot of holes on this offense at the beginning of the year. Receiver is just a hole. We need to, to accept that as Browns fans is, is our receiving core is not good. It's in fact bad. And although we've got great running backs, we've got a great offensive line. There are plenty of weapons still on this offense. I'm not saying that. The receiving core is just not as good as we thought they were going to be headed into the year. And this game was about as bad as it gets. But I was sitting there and I was, I was thinking to myself, like, what am I thinking? Like, what? What were my expectations, uh, you know, coming into this game? They weren't six drops bad, but I got to stop thinking we're going to get these huge games out of our receiving course. It's just not going to happen. So that's something I got to factor in as I look at matchups and stuff going down the line. Not the strength of this offense. It's not going to be. The second thing for me is we got to readjust our expectations about Baker Mayfield. I hate to say it. I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Do I really want to say this? He's likable Kirk Cousins, guys. They both got really talented arms. They both don't see the field well. They're both very up and down as players because of that. The decision-making is questionable at times. He is way more likable. He's got way better intangibles. You saw that in the Steelers game on Sunday versus how the Vikings looked from a body language perspective in their game against the Cowboys. So, yes, there are differences. It's not a perfect comparison, but that's the level of quarterback that Baker Mayfield is playing like right now. Maybe it's the injury's got something to do with it, but we have not seen a consistent 17-game season for Baker Mayfield. We did not see that last year. We saw a great eight weeks, but that was it. Eight weeks. That's the most we've gotten in a row out of him so far in his career. And if the Browns are going to be a Super Bowl-level team, if they're going to be an AFC Championship-level team, they can't achieve that with the way Baker Mayfield is playing right now. They just can't. And that's uh, – it sounds bad to say, but at the same time, I want to be clear here. 
Baker also provides a floor that this team hasn't had in a long time. So it, it sounds like I'm being critical of Baker Mayfield, but it's more so, as I said, I'm just readjusting my expectations. I was hopeful that he could be a top eight to 10 guy. That hope is, is a lot less for me now. It just is. I'm not really sure that's the kind of guy he is. Now, I don't think he's going to be a bottom 10 in the league type guy either. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle. And that'll get you, you know, a, a level of competency that, of course, the Browns did not have for the last 20 years. With a right roster, which I think the team still has for the most part, it'll get you into the playoffs, maybe winning a playoff game. It's just not going to get you to be a Super Bowl-level team. And I think after last season, Browns fans thought to ourselves, me included, that with the roster we have, if Baker Mayfield is a, you know the, the quarterback we think can be, all of a sudden we've got a Super Bowl-level roster. Now I think you're looking at like, hey, if we put together the right season, right roster, you know, maybe we get there with like a Jimmy Garoppolo-type performance from Baker, but the odds are going to be stacked against us. And that's, and that's just how I feel about him at this point is it was definitely not his fault on Sunday. As I said, the receivers were the issue, the biggest issue by far. It's not his fault. I'm not saying it's not, it was his fault, but he wasn't great. He missed some throws high. He was inconsistent. He missed some open players and things are not always going to be perfect around you. We've seen it with the offensive line. Now we've seen it with the receivers when things go wrong around Baker, he does not overcome them. And that's just going to limit your team if that's the case. He can win when things are right around him in the same way that Kirk Cousins can. But when things are breaking down, he is not going to be able to overcome them. And by the way, most NFL quarterbacks can't. It's only those top eight to ten guys like I talked about, and some of them even can't all that well, that, uh, that can do these things. But – those are the guys that win Super Bowls. That top tier, those top tier guys are what win Super Bowls. And I'm just not really sure that that we can, you know, expect or, or hope for that kind of trajectory from Baker Mayfield anymore. I've seen weirdly a lot of blame going toward Kevin Stefanski. Guys, you can. I'll, this part is fair. This criticism is fair. As the head coach, he is responsible for getting his team to play and execute. And they did not do that against the Steelers. So you can blame him if you want in his head coaching capacity about the readiness of, of the Browns to play. I don't know if that was really it or if it was just these guys aren't performing that well. Like they haven't all season. Like Austin Hooper has been up and down all season. Jarvis Landry has been up and down all, all season. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been up and down all season in terms of his hands. So I'm not really sure that you can blame Kevin Stefanski for that. But if you want to, I hear that argument like, hey, he's got to be ready from an execution perspective. But the people questioning his play calling. Guys, we're just not we're not watching the same game. If you think that Kevin Stefanski is a bad play caller, we are just we are not watching the same football game. I do not understand how uh, how people think that. I know it feels like this offense has gotten a little predictable at times, but I'm telling you that's because of the quarterback. Again, well, we might just need to do a, like a group sit down and watch the all 22 together. I know Jake Burns does a lot of that stuff, but you turn on the game. There are open players all over the place. 
if it, it, like, what do you want the coach to do? He's calling plays that work and the quarterback's not throwing them. It's like Sean McVay and Jared Goff. And again, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is Jared Goff, but he's playing like it at times right now where it's like, you can see the frustration from the coach when the play is called, the guy is open and the throw is not made. I don't know why Baker Mayfield's seeing the field so poorly right now, but he is. I cannot blame that on Kevin Stefanski. I just can't. He, the offense still has so many plays that work time after time. The concepts make so much sense. He calls plays in the right situation all the time. And I thought the best example of this was actually a play that I loved in the moment. Baker Mayfield scrambles out for the first down. He gets crushed into the sideline and he comes up and he you know, gives the big first down signal. And yeah, me as a fan, I was fired up. I think it was third and two on that play. The Steelers ran a, a basically a man coverage there with one high safety. And the Browns called the perfect play. David Njoku wasn't you know wide open. It wasn't a busted coverage, but they ran the exact right concept against the exact right coverage. David Njoku is a step and a half by his defender. They got the safety, you know, on the other side of the field. There's nobody over the top. It's Baker Mayfield's read. He's looking right at it. He doesn't throw the football. He he hitches, and then there's pressure, and he scrambles out of the pocket. If it's a good throw, it's a 15, 20-yard chunk play. If it's a great throw, it's probably a touchdown. And instead, it's none of those. It's a two-yard gain, and he's fired up, and it was a great play. It was a gritty play. But he's just not seeing the field. He's not making those actually chunk plays that, that, that contribute to winning in the same way that the top quarterbacks are. There's another play, Dodo Beckham Jr., the one where Odo Beckham Jr. alligator on the ball. Yeah, he alligator on it. I don't think he, he gave full effort, I guess you could say, but part of that happened because – Odo Beckham Jr. was open on that play, like three steps before Baker Mayfield threw the football. And for some reason, Baker hitches and then throws it high and behind Odo Beckham Jr. Catchable? Yes, it was catchable. And he did not, uh, you know, come up with it when he should have. But again, he was open way earlier. And you can tell he didn't think he was going to get the ball and he didn't get the ball. Baker, like he hitches for some reason. And you're like, why? He's open. Like you got to let the ball go. And he doesn't, he just doesn't. And I, it's, you, you can tell I'm frustrated guys, because when you're watching the game, it's frustrating. It is frustrating to see a, a guy like Baker Mayfield, who has that gunslinger in him. He has the arm talent, but he doesn't make the throw. It just leaves. I'm scratching my head. Just damn, it's disheartening because again of what I thought his could his potential could be and maybe will be still. Maybe this is the shoulder injury and and long term he'll be able to come back and potentially get more on track. But as far as this season goes, if he's playing like this, again they may make the playoffs. The roster around him is pretty good. I don't think he's terrible. As I say, he's made he made plenty of good throws in that game, but he's just missing a bunch too. And that's just not good enough at the end of the day. So I don't think it's a Kevin Stefanski issue uh, really from a play calling perspective. Yes, he's got to get the team ready to go. And I think his leadership, you know, is going to be tested in this moment. Now, I think he's off to a good start. thought the press conference was good. I thought Baker was good. And we'll just have to see 
how how these guys respond going into Sunday. I think that's the that's the big test for Kevin Stefanski now is hey, forget the X's and O's. Can you figure out this locker room? Because we've seen a lot of great offensive coordinators who can't figure out the locker room. But I have zero doubts about Kevin Stefanski as a head coach right now. None. He's not perfect. Not saying that he's he's got you know plenty of learning still to do. I, I think you know there there are definitely times you can be critical of him with getting a little stale in the second long runs and, and some of the fourth down stuff. Sure, but this guy's a good coach, and I just I saw way too much criticism when it was execution of the players, not not the actual plays being called. The only other big you know takeaway I have from that game, guys, is just Miles Garrett is awesome. I know it's been a downer of a podcast, but man, that guy is fun to root for. So, so fun to root for. Uh, he just, he was off the charts good in that game. I, he had a, a 48.1 pass rush win rate in that game. Uh, yeah, I know he had his highest PFF grade of his career, and now he is your favorite for defensive player of the year. I saw that change, too, in, in the Vegas books. Uh, shout out, win, win bet. Big Blue Wire sponsors hooking us up uh, with a bunch of the stuff that, that we've been doing, uh, able to, you know, get that Chris Carter, Jarvis Landry interview, all the great stuff on Blue Wire. A lot of that's possible because of the whip. So go check out their gambling app, free plug. But Miles Garrett uh, moved into the Defensive Player of the Year award uh, leader on, on their app. I think he's plus 300 now. Really, I think the only reason he wouldn't win it is because if the, if the Browns fall off, because I think he's going to lead the league in sacks. He is absolutely wrecking game after game after game injuries or, or just not having a narrative i guess is the only way he doesn't win it but like you look at him versus trayvon diggs the cowboys corner like diggs is getting owned a lot like he's creating a lot of turnovers but he's also has a lot of really bad plays miles garrett does not have that and this is just a quick side ramble too like miles garrett's not an insane run stopper by any means but a lot of pass rushers suck in run blocking like really really are bad and we just kind of ignore it because pass rushing is more important anyway miles garrett does not does not suck at, at run uh you know at stopping the run he's pretty good he's a sound tackler he does some really good stuff on that end of things so complete player top five player in the nfl so fun to watch should win defensive player of the year at this point. At least he should he's the leader in, in the clubhouse and deservedly so. All right, I'm gonna save most of my thoughts on the actual schematics of the Bengals matchup for the preview podcast coming up tomorrow with Jordan. But just end the podcast saying I actually like the matchup for the Browns for the most part against the Bengals on Sunday. I think there are some opportunities for this team to have a bounce back game. Problem is all this other stuff. Who knows? We'll have to see how it plays out the next couple of days, what the word will be. Uh, but I would be surprised if Oda Beckham Jr. plays for the Browns this week or, or frankly, any time soon. All right, Browns fans, that'll do it for this episode of The Rebuild. As I said, apologies for the week hiatus. Not something I obviously like to do in the middle of the season. Unfortunately, some circumstances out of my control. I'm not going to be the guy that complains about travel on a podcast. Nobody likes to hear about it. So that's it. But Jordan and I will be back uh, with, with a Bengals preview and, and the content here will resume as normal. So until next time, Browns fans, take care, be safe, go Browns.